Welcome in to episode 258 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. It's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health in a comfortable envi- environment. Uh, just the dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. And Sean, before we get started, I don't like all the people bullying me in the comments. It, I feel I feel like I, I feel like it's gone too far. Everybody go, oh, well, you must be new here. They never start on time. There's always an internet outage. There's always some type of uh, of issues. So you know what? I don't I don't appreciate the the rudeness, but I I also do appreciate. It's, it's like a we have our own little like inside jokes, like our little running things uh, that that fans have come to appreciate uh, the absolute ridiculousness of this show. I think fans have have, have slowly come around to. So I appreciate our listeners. I don't think people would enjoy it if we did start on time. Like, I think we've kind of got to a point here where we kind of have a reputation that something's going wrong. And today it was camera issues and not internet issues. So, but hey, if if we make appointments with Justice Dental, we're always on time now. Yeah, there's somebody uh, somebody up above. Uh, MC says, Jack <laughs> must be at his Justice Dental appointment. So it is what it is. I, I am ready to go live. And my camera said, there is no camera, which I, I'm looking at it right now. There, there is one, and it's a, a nice, fancy one. But you get my laptop camera today. If you don't like it, listen to the audio. I really don't care at this point. We just we, we just need to get some, some stuff out there and, and talk about all of the goodness that is Kentucky basketball. Maybe not so goodness, I guess, depends on what you're looking for. Uh, Sean, a really, really big week, not in terms of, I guess, news coming out, but uh, if you're looking for updates on uh, draft combine invites were released. You got Oscar Shibway, uh, and Chris Livingston both getting invites. Antonio Reeves getting an invite to the G League uh, Elite Camp, which is just a couple days before uh, the Combine in Chicago. So basically what that means is we're not going to get final decisions from any of those three, at least until the end of next week. So uh, that the G League Camp starts like at the very beginning of next week, and then the Combine lasts basically the rest of the week uh, in Chicago. So we are still over a week from uh, figuring out the ins and outs of this team. I know, Sean, you said mid-May is when we'll kind of get to the nuts and bolts of what this roster actually looks like. And um, it's looking like we're at least going to get to the end of May. And the withdrawal date is May 31st regardless. So we kind of have our window, but the window is like closing and closing and closing and closing. But it just sucks that still not enough clarity to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. No, and I kept saying mid-May, and, and usually it is mid-May, but this year is a little bit different. Like you, you've got some decisions that are that are going on, and we know Oscar Shibway and, and the the stuff at stake with him, and then the invite, and we we know what you know Antonio Reeves and and all these things and all these decisions that are kind of going on a little bit longer. You had Lance Ware hit the portal a, a week ago. You you got good players going in the transfer portal right before the deadline. Like there, there's a lot of movement in college basketball that's kind of making this process take a little bit longer than maybe what I thought was going to happen four or five weeks ago. So, no, we, we should uh, here in the next couple of weeks kind of have an ident- 
idea and some clarity on what Kentucky's roster is going to look like, but there's some big decisions coming up here, Jack, that when you look at Kentucky and the amount of scholarships they have available and the, and the dudes that we do know are going to be on this roster and then the, the drama here and there with some other situations, like there's a lot unfolding and, and happening. John Calipari has been all over the United States watching his guys in the NBA and doing other things. So a lot's going on right now, but not – anything concrete that we can say this is what Kentucky's going to do at the five this is what Kentucky's going to do at the four but we we do have some new things to talk about and that's what we kept waiting for this week was just enough to kind of compile together to where we could have an episode because I, I think early in the week there wasn't enough there but now we've at least got enough that we could talk for the next hour I guess one concrete thing that we do have is the the visit that is about to take place starting today. Uh, Kasha Johnson, San Diego State transfer, uh, is on his way to Lexington and will be here uh, from today through the 12th. Uh, I, I think the meaning of the visit is more significant than um, the substance of like who he is as a basketball player and all that. We're, we'll get into that in, in just a second. But I do think it is really interesting that as we're waiting on final decisions from Chris Livingston and uh, shoot, even Antonio Reeves, if you want to go that far. Uh, Kentucky is looking at kind of two-way, hard nose, kind of, the, I guess, the role that we're expecting Chris Livingston to play next year if he does uh, decide to return. It's kind of a Chris Livingston replacement that Kentucky is bringing in on, on a visit. He just He's just coming off of an official to Arizona, uh, and I was told going into this visit that Arizona is the favorite and um, should be seen as such, but uh, he likes Arizona a lot, but, but Kentucky wants to give this pitch and see where things stand, and I think they like him a lot. There's a lot to like about his game again. He's a non-shooter, which I know Kentucky fans are going to uh, not, not like quite a bit, but he was uh, a key piece on a runner-up. From this past year, he has uh, tournament experience, uh, strong, physical type of, of player that I think every roster needs one. And if it's not going to be Chris Livingston, I think Kashad Johnson is definitely uh, the guy that I would – I mean, the, de- the the transfer portal deadline closes tomorrow. So, I mean, it is what it is. Th- these are the options on the table. You need one of those guys on the roster. This is the best of those uh, of those options. What, did you, what do you think of this news that the visit is happening, A, first of all, but also your thoughts on uh, Kashad as a player? I think it would be a good fit given he's never had a problem with having to share minutes and grinding his way to what role he had. Like this is a guy that didn't play much as a freshman sophomore, but now has what is it over 70 straight starts. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know. I don't think, I think maybe like 70 or 71 straight starts. And the biggest thing that you said there was tournament experience, but the key thing is it's winning tournament experience making a run to a national championship game, getting that experience in a Final Four, that's something that Kentucky's roster doesn't have. And we know if, if Reeves is back and and other pieces that they've got guys that have played in the NCAA tournament but not made runs in the NCAA tournament. Having that on your roster is a big deal. And, and I think it's it's a piece that if it works out and it let's say that he ends up at Kentucky, he's a guy that I don't think will have a problem kind of carving out a role and, and figuring out what it is, even if it's a lesser role than maybe most guys that go in the portal look for increased roles he's probably coming to a place where it's not going to be as great as, as the role he had where he was, but that tells me a lot about him maybe, that maybe he's seeking out something different than what he's had and he, he wants to to maybe go to a place where he can play on a bigger spot. I know he played a national championship game, but if you go to Kentucky or if you go to Arizona or where else, you're, you're going to a bigger spotlight than what you were in. I think it'd be a good fit. Sure, it's a, it's a non-shooter, but it's a it's a guy that that rebounds well and, and does some other things well that I think would be a good plug-and-play piece if, if they're able to land him. 
Yeah, so 26.2% three-point shooter, uh, barely hitting the 60% mark at the, the free throw line. Uh, there are some negatives. And, and I think for those reasons, especially if if you're signing Kashad Johnson up, I do not want him to be your third or fourth option on this team. Like, I, I do not want him. And I think that's kind of where I'm struggling with the, do you go all in on Chris Livingston or do you go all in or, you know, kind of the which one that I'm sure there, there are a lot of comments and questions about it in, uh, in, in the chat. I think Livingston genuinely has all SEC upside if he does decide to return to Kentucky. I, I think that he could be a true third or fourth option on a title contending team. I don't see that with Johnson, but if you're bringing him in to be the seventh or eighth man, you know, kind of that glue guy off the bench, if you like, if you need a stop, you I mean, that's kind of, that's literally what he did for San Diego state. If that's the role that he's going to play at Kentucky, I think it'd be a tremendous get. Uh, and if you're going super scoring heavy, if you get Antonio Reeves back and you want lineups of, shoot, say, DJ Wagner, uh, Rob Dillingham, Antonio Reeves, Justin Edwards, and uh, say Aaron Bradshaw. I mean, where you get versatility at every position, scoring at every position, you're going to need a defensive anchor. And putting him alongside Ugo Onyenso, I think you could get some 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 creative looks there, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think that's where his impact would be felt at Kentucky, would be – in whatever role you need him to be, if it, if it's a defensive, if it's a guy that guards one of the best wings on on the other team, or you need him to grab some rebounds, or you need him to be a, a plug and play starter, like especially the way injuries and stuff pile, piles up and stuff in college basketball, and we know that's been a problem at Kentucky now for four or five years, where there's always an injury or somebody that's out of the lineup for for multiple games, uh, the, all that starting experience. If he were, if he's coming to Kentucky to start, I don't like the move. But if he is coming to Kentucky, like you said, to, to be seventh man, eighth man, something to add some depth where we, we know that they need depth on the interior right now or even at that three, four spot, like that's where they need it the most. I like it. Like if, if that's the way it's able to work out. But it is interesting to to kind of follow what what's happening with Chris Livingston, John Calipari's tweet about Livingston, him him being out there, the the stuff going on with Clutch and, and all that I know we'll get into and, and touch on, but there's a lot of moving parts right now, but this was a visit and and things that kind of popped up, what, about a week ago? And we're kind of like, okay, what are we following right now? And is this really got anything to it? And I guess we'll find out. You know, it's this weekend. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. You bring up a great point. Uh, the visit to see Chris Livingston work out out in L.A. Again, I don't think anything is by coincidence. I, I don't. I I I know. When have you – when, Sean, have you ever seen John Calipari release a statement of a – kid going through the workout like where's the statement on antonio reeves like where's where's the wow i just saw antonio reeves work out in chicago uh man he's back home he's as comfortable as ever and and man he's just torching the nets i cannot wait to see how this draft process goes for him where's that tweet you know like he does not do that for everybody jacob toppin was also out in la i guarantee you he went and at least said what's up to him where was his tweet where's case and wallet you know that's kind of Nothing is a coincidence with John Calipari. Everything he says means something. Um, and he put out a tweet that says, had a chance to watch Chris Livingston work out today. And wow, all quote, uh, all caps. He got so much better for us by the end of the year. And he looks like he's taken another leap forward. Chris is one of the most driven, caring, uh, smart kids I've ever coached. Uh, I all I absolutely love him. Um, what, what does that mean to you? Does that mean, is, is that a... I'm recruiting you back to Kentucky and saying, 
here you've gotten so much better I, I let's see what you can be up next next season or was that a goodbye message wow he's gotten so much better i can't wait for him to take that next next step forward it, to, to me i mean it probably you could fall in between on both of those depending on how you i think it's how you want to read it but i think it's it, it has a little bit to do with if he stays in you're probably trying to give him a bump there but also at the same time you're you're saying something positive and trying to recruit him back because i mean i, th- I think we all would would like to see chris back on this kentucky roster and I, I i there's scenarios that if they played out that i would take chris over some other pieces if it meant that they that, that it worked out the way that i'd like for it to work out but i'd love to see chris back but you're right though i you don't get that tweet often from from cal or about a player that that's working out and stuff and, and cal being out there to to watch ad and and winning and, and Vanderbilt and stuff the other night and then being in that area, you, you know that there – I mean, there was reason behind why he went there. And then he stops last night and watches uh, Jamal and, and Booker. So, I mean, he's been all over the place. But I think there's there's a middle ground with it. I think some of it was the bump to hope to, to help him out with, with what he's doing and stuff in the process. But I also think that maybe there's some – there's a pitch there, like especially, you know, I love Chris and how much better he's gotten here – down the stretch and then how much better he's gotten since the season ended. Like that's kind of like a comeback and let's run it back. Let's you be a more focal point and with this roster and what they're doing. And that's what makes this visit this weekend and stuff pretty important because I don't see both those guys being on Kentucky's roster because they kind of cancel each other out with what they would be in role. But I think you would take, I don't know, would you, I would personally, I would take Chris. Like I would love to have Chris back over, Johnson, just given that he's been in this program, and I think Chris could take a significant step forward, but it makes this weekend pretty important to see how it all plays out. Yeah, and, and K Wits or K Wit Zigzag Twelve says Livingston was only a thirty percent three point shooter. Not like he's a great shooter either. You're also banking on Chris making a jump. Like the whole point of this is, I think, understanding that every all of the production that he had this past year was not rocket science. It wasn't like he became this elite ball handler, shot creator, shot maker. Like that was not what his identity was. He was able to get near double, double numbers every time he stepped on the floor by just doing hustle, cleanup, you know, motor place. Like if, if he's doing that, then what happens if he develops a jump shot? What, what happens if he tightens up his handle? And it, like, that's where I'm seeing the all sec potential. Johnson is who he is. He's a four-year college player, been productive, and has been a winning piece on a winning team. But are you expecting any type of significant jump from Kashad Johnson next year? I'm not. Like he 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 is who he is, and that's kind of the the give and take with the transfer portal. Yeah, they're super productive, but they're also very high floor guys with a super low ceiling. Kashad Johnson's a very very low ceiling guy, whereas Chris Livingston. I think he has a high floor going into next year because you know that he's going to be that player that we saw at the end of the year, but he also has that potential of making a real jump as John Calipari is clearly trying to touch on. So that's, that's why I'm, I'm, if, if it's one or the other, it's not close for me. I mean, I'm, I'm all in on Chris Livingston. Um, now, is that even a feasible option? I don't know. I, and I will say somebody said, um, Connor Riggs says Kyle Tucker put out an article uh, and asked a handful of scouts about Livingston and all of them said to come back to school. Some even said multiple years, he should come back. I will say I got a, uh, so last week I got a text that was much more optimistic about the chances of Chris coming back next year from Kentucky side. And it was kind of from a different 
person that I'm not used to getting stuff from. So I kind of was like, oh, that's interesting. I reached out to a couple of different guys. They're like, yeah, I'm not sure I've heard that same thing. But one was super confident. Like the quote was like, "There's, I'm hearing there's a great, quote, great chance that he uh, comes back and thought that was interesting. I reached out to an NBA scout and said, you know, because we had talked about him in the past, uh, about the chance of him coming back. And the NBA scout said, quote, thank goodness, with like the prayer emoji, like, they are rooting for his success, but they're rooting for it at Kentucky so he can actually become a pro. He's not a pro. Like, he's not no. – there's not one thing that he does right now that, it, that at least from what we saw at Kentucky, that is is NBA caliber. He is going to take time in the league. And the NBA's argument is, man, it, it'd be so refreshing to see a guy that is clearly – that clearly has the physical tools. And if he puts it together, can make a very real jump in a weak class in 2024, where if he comes back – I mean, there's a real chance he's a lottery pick next year. If he puts it all together while making pretty darn good money with NIL, I mean, it, it's just like, well, why risk throwing all of all of that away just because you have hot pants to go right now? It's just yeah. like, I really hope that him and, and everybody around him, as they go through this process, as they go to combine, can I, I'm told that he still has a couple of individual workouts left with teams. I hope they just take a deep breath, take a step back and go, He's not ready yet, but he's going to be soon. Let's be patient with this. Yep. And I can't keep preaching youth and then go back on it and say that I would take Johnson over Livingston. Because I've I've been of this whole push the last few weeks and since the season ended that Kentucky's guard play is going to be better next year because it has more potential and, and upside than what they've had. Like when when you get these guys in the portal and you mentioned it, you know, Johnson is who he is. Just like Oscar Shibway is who he is. He, he's not going to come back to Kentucky and just be significantly better than what he's been his first two seasons at Kentucky. The, the development stage is is past. Like he, you know, that there's a window there, and that's why I think a lot of these guys feel the need to to become a pro as quickly as possible because we know that window closes as you get older. But for Chris, that's not the case. Like more time in college is not a bad thing for him. Like he he's still got all this time to to develop his game and and things and not be in a rush to to get there too quickly. Like we're too soon to, to the point to where you don't even get an opportunity. So I, I think Chris has the the greater upside. And I think Chris would would end up being the the better player long term and the better player in a, in another year at Kentucky. And that's why I would like to see that be the situation and scenario that plays out. Is that even going to be an opportunity? I, I don't know. But you know that Kentucky at least needs something at that spot, whether it be Johnson, whether it be Livingston, or if it's someone else. We know that Kentucky can't enter this season w without somebody in that role because they they really don't have it. And then you have all the other decisions that's it's playing out right now. The the lack of like we went from talking about too much depth on the interior to we're sitting here going, Ugh. if Oscar doesn't come back, what does Kentucky do? Because then it has A B and it has. Ugana and Lance leaving kind of hurt the depth. Like the, the we we know that Lance wasn't this crazy stats guy that was going to put up a ton of numbers, but at least it was a body that now is out the door. Like they need they need some people, and that's where uh, that's where all these decisions. I mean, it was the the headline of the show today. It was like key decisions looming and stuff for Kentucky basketball, and there's a reason. Like there's work to be done to fill out this roster. There's pieces in place that make me optimistic and give me hope that next year can be really, really good. But it all depends on how the next two and a half to three weeks go because it could completely shift how we feel about this entire roster if they if they miss on some guys or don't sure up some positions and, and needs that they have. 
Yeah, it's uh, and, and it's if you get Chris, I saw a com- comment earlier. If you get Chris, do you have any concerns about what it does with Bradshaw? Probably. Yeah, and that's you know, the, that's, the, that's the trade-off, right? Because and 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 Chris isn't coming back to Kentucky to come off the bench. Just like is is Bradshaw coming to Kentucky to come off the bench? I don't know. Yeah, uh, and I guess we'll we'll talk about that in just a second. But I will say uh, I got a quote from uh, in in so I, I guess it's been so up in the air with uh, with Oscar and just what his feedback would look like. And for the first time, I kind of heard some positive feedback from uh, you know the NBA side of things about what um, his draft potential looks like and what his, you know what the current evaluations are. Um, I asked flat out, what, what do you make of Oscar getting a combine invite? Uh, do you think that Oscar is draftable? And he said, I am sure NBA teams want to see him play outside the Kentucky system. Best way for him to show uh, whether or not he should stay or go back. Rebounding translate. I think he's a second round pick. Yes. I personally know he can shoot a little bit better than he showed at Kentucky too. So that kind of goes back to what we have been talking about basically from the beginning of the offseason that Oscar wants to go pro. And that's been his MO from the beginning. He's he if the right opportunity presents itself where he can get a a safe guaranteed deal. You, you know, he I, I don't think he's looking for a first round guarantee or something ludicrous, but if he can feel comfortable with guaranteed money and and uh, some type of job security, I think that he feel pretty good about taking that opportunity. And now that NBA scouts are looking at this combine that he just got invited to the expectation is he would participate in five on five to see how, so teams can see how he thrives in that type of setting. It kind of pushes me back to thinking that, that he probably goes. I mean, if, if, if scouts think that he's truly draftable in the second round and he has that niche. I mean, he does things. Look at Kevon Looney right now in the NBA playoffs. He's going out and getting 23 rebounds, 25 rebounds. And I think he does things better than than Oscar. But at the same time, if, if you're asking Oscar to be a 10, 15-minute guy, why can he not be a career 6-6, six and 8-8 six, eight and eight type of guy? I think there's a lot of value there. And if, if, if he can get that guarantee, I think it's something to think about. And if, if one of these organizations or teams that – has a need and and they find it an Oscar and they can get it in second round, you know, value. I mean, he could, he could end up going to a, a good NBA franchise right now that, that has success like, like a loony at golden state. And you watch those games. Like when he gets the ball, like people are backing off of him, but he's still playing a role and grabbing a ton of rebounds. Like there's, there's still a role for that guy. And if, if Oscar's got a lot on the line here, and getting that invite and getting to to go through that, and I would expect him to go through all the five on five and stuff to to showcase where his game's at. Because what does he have to lose, Jack? Like we know, his draft stock's not improving by sitting out or mm-hmm. things like that. He, he's going there to try to improve it and and do things. And it's not just going to be in the measurements. Like he, he's going to show up at, in some areas in the measurements well, and he's going to show up poorly in other areas. So. He's kind of, that's not going to be what separates him. So playing and, and them getting a look at him, like you said, outside the Kentucky system is probably w- what he's looking at. So, and if he does end up getting a second round pick guarantee, I would assume he's gone, even though the money at Kentucky would be more possibly. 
it's the long-term money and the long-term spot in the league that that would push it out the door, change the scenery. This point in his career, the age he's at, not getting any younger, run the risk of getting hurt, something else. Like I, I would expect that if that's the way it plays out, then I would expect that Oscar She was not on this roster, which then brings Kentucky back to a situation that, thank God that Ugana did come back a month ago because where, where would Kentucky be? Where would Kentucky be right now if that decision hadn't have played out in Kentucky's favor? And I, and I know that there's some concerns there that if you're running him at the five to start the year and playing 30 plus minutes, I have concerns with it. But right now I just there at one point I thought there, it was a dead given that either Hunter Dickinson or Oscar Sheboy was going to be on this roster. But now I'm actually starting to shift that I think that there's a, po- a good possibility that neither one of them are on this roster. And I could actually see that scenario playing out depending on what happens over the course of the next week or so. Uh, Polaric Spicer says, what about Reeves draft stock? Is NBA interested or will he be back? Uh, uh, he is a must come back. I, I, I think we're at that point for sure. Like I think yeah. for everything else, like it, you can't worry about Who's going to be Oscar's replacement? Or is Oscar going to come back? You know, the, the center position, Aaron Bradshaw, those rumors and all that. You can't basically go all in on the front court, front court, even Chris Livingston, if you want to consider that. You can't go all in with that and then lose a potential, you know, 15-point-per-game score at the guard position. Like, I, I think right now, UK has to get Antonio Reeves back. And he got that G League um, camp invite and I think that makes me feel quite a bit better because it also indicates that uh, he, he does not – his draft stock is – so basically for for listeners that don't know, if you get that G League camp invite, it's it, it's basically like the lead up to the combine. And if you are one of the top performers at the G League camp, you could potentially get an invite to basically stay the rest of the week at, at the NBA draft combine. So it's like – the best of the rest is who gets invited to the the G League uh, combine. So, how does that make you feel, Sean? That he didn't get a combine invite. He's having to kind of carve his way into a role for basically play his way into the combine. I mean, do you does that make you feel better about him coming back or not? I mean, we're we're rooting and cheering for these kids to to go get what they want to get. But at the same time, if you're a Kentucky fan, you want Antonio Reeves to be on this roster. It makes me feel better about another year of him, and I, I think it's vital and important that they do land him because they need that experienced guard that that makes shots and things. And, and I think that his role would be uh, a, probably a, a different role than what it was on this past team. I don't think that you'll have to put all the weight on his shoulders to have to be the single guy to make shots for Kentucky to advance in the NCAA tournament, but he is the one guy that would separate himself and be different out of the other backcourt pieces that Kentucky has. And I think that's why he's so important to have on this roster and alongside the things that he did this season at Kentucky that kind of was outside of maybe his comfort zone entering Kentucky where he, I mean, we know that he likes to play with the ball in his hands, but he got some work off the ball. Like he, he showcased his game as a true three level scorer and not right now, but I do think at some point that Antonio Reeves will get his shot in the NBA. Like I've always said, if Michael Mulder could carve out a role in the, in the league, I think Antonio Reeves can carve out a role in the league at some point. But I think another year at Kentucky, making an NCAA tournament run and then going into that draft a year from now where we know it is weaker and things, like I, I think that you could see him find his path a year from now, but I don't think it's right now. I think another year at Kentucky is probably the most likely thing to play out, and that's huge for John Calipari. So I, I guess – 
knowing that those three stay or go decisions are so big right now, um, what, what if you had to guess as of right now, the week before leading up to the combine for Reeves, Oscar, and um, Chris Livingston, how do you expect next week to unfold with all three of them? And do you think that we'll get any real clarity by the end of the week regarding um, their stay, stay or go decisions? So are, so are we predicting who we think is going to be back? Is that uh, as, right as now? A, I, yeah. How, how do you think that the combine and G League camp invitations will impact their ultimate stay or go decisions? And what will they end up being by the end of next week? Well, I think that I think Reeves is probably the most likely entering the situation that you look at to return, just given, you know, all the reasons that you stated a few minutes ago and then everything I was talking about with where he could be. And I think he has probably I think Chris has the most to gain from another year at Kentucky. But I think Reeves is right there as well. But I would say Reeves plays out and I say we get a decision that he's coming back probably before we get some other decisions. But I'm just leaning that the other two probably aren't in this roster next year. I don't know how you feel with it, but I think that it'll play out. I think that depending on what happens with the visit with Johnson this weekend too, and I, I know that you know there, he could end up going elsewhere, but if, if that decision is made and then and Kentucky ends up taking him, like and obviously if he's visiting, Kentucky would take a commitment, then it probably forces Chris Livingston's hand to, to do something else. But I'm going to say they get one of the three back, and I'm going to say it's Antonio Reeves. I don't know how you feel on predictions. I, it's it's still hard to predict, but I just I don't know. Like I just feel like that we're to a point here, and I, I think that Oscar coming back would be good. But I don't know. Like my my decisions and my feelings on this have changed so much week to week over the course of the last six weeks, just because so much has happened or not happened, and. I don't know if I've ever felt an off season doing this job the way that I felt the last six weeks, just because it's been so different. Like you think you're, you think you're locked in with what you've got coming in and then you have the clutch thing and, and you have everything with, with Bradshaw. And then you got all this with Oscar, you had the Hunter Dickinson recruitment and you, you kind of was at first like, Oh, Kentucky's not interested. And then you think they're really interested. And then when it's all said and done, you're like, okay, how interested really were they? And things like there's just been so much shuffling and movement that I've not really been able to get a feel. But I think one of those three, and I think Antonio is probably the most likely. And then I would say Oscar two, and then Chris three. I still have felt like Chris was probably out the door. Yeah, that, that, I think that's probably how I would um, break it down, man. I, I I hope that Chris makes the right decision for him and. You know, we've talked about this on the show that he has gone against the grain with each of his last two big decisions, transferring from his junior to senior year in high school to go to Oak Hill. That was a tough decision that he made for himself when everybody else around him was saying, you know, continue. You know, why are you going to give up, you know, putting up 35 points a game and 15 rebounds a game to go to the harder system and where you're not going to get as many touches and all that stuff at Oak Hill? He made that decision for himself and going to Kentucky. He knew he was going to be joining a lot of other elite talent instead of going to a Memphis or a Georgetown or some of the other finalists, you know, or the G, just the pro route. Um, he considered those, the other people around him wanted those options and he ended up choosing Kentucky. So I'm hoping that when push comes to shove, he listens to the feedback from NBA teams who, if they're telling Kyle Tucker in an on record uh, article, imagine what they're going to tell him behind the closed doors and individual one-on-one meetings. Like they're not going like, 
NBA scouts are not going to push Chris Livingston to go pro. Like they're going to be as blunt about it as possible and say, look, you're just not ready yet. You're not there yet. And that's okay. You can go back to school, make a ton of money and, and be in position next year to be a real lottery pick. And we're like, we'd be uh, rooting for you to do that because you're a talented player and you're physically gifted and you clearly have all the tools to be that, but don't just throw it all away right now because you're, you're wanting to go right now. So, um, that, that it's it's tough, but I, I I just knowing what I know and the pessimism on the NBA side of things and their thoughts on where his head is and the people around him and their push to go, you know, for him to be a one and done, I, I'm going to go the same way. Antonio Reeves, most likely Oscar Sheway, kind of, I mean, about as close to a 50-50 as we can and then leaning more no than yes for uh, Chris Livingston. We also got an update, Sean, uh, about – Another player that Kentucky reached out to, Zuby, uh, Zuby Ahio Four at uh, Kansas, six nine freshman, two hundred forty pounds out of Garland, Texas. Same place where Tyrese Maxey is from. Um, played almost zero this past year, five point one minutes a game. Um, but it's a it's a backup option for Oscar. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on on him. He was a, a star talent at Garland High School. Uh, uh, his senior season average. Uh, a combined 20.6 points and 12.4 rebounds and 3.6 block shots uh, per game. So super, super productive player at 21, 13 and 3.9 and 1.9 steals per game uh, in 2021, 2022. So uh, super productive high school player, basically a red shirt season this past year. It'd be like adding another Ugana Yento in terms of production at the collegiate level. Um, do you trust that to be your Oscar Chibri replacement if that's what it boils down to? <laughs> I don't really know what options Kentucky has this late unless, I mean, I know that the portal deadline and stuff is, you know, quickly approaching and, and names going into the portal. So I think Kentucky's kind of at a point here where you kind of got to roll with what you got. And if that's what Kentucky chooses to do, do you view that more as a potential upside down the road type fit? Because if, if Oscar's not on this roster, then I think that they're going to go with Ugana. And I think they're going to go with that development. They're going to go with the rim protector. And there are scenarios, Jack, where if you gave me, if you, if you promised me a different style of play and different offensive attack, and it meant Oscar wasn't on this roster or a player similar to what Oscar does, and you can get better defensively with Ugana. And then it meant Chris Livingston coming back and playing some four. And we know that that's not what he wants. Like if you could give me what I wanted, I think it would be a, a good fit if, if some things played out differently. But I would still, I mean, obviously you would take Oscar over that scenario, I think. But if that's the way that it plays out, then I, I think that you'd have to be okay with it. And I think it would be one of those things where you definitely need depth at that spot. And if you're, if you're scared to go all in Ogana, like I am, I mean, I think Ogana is going to have a big role, but I'm scared for him to play 30 plus minutes. I just don't know if he's ready for that. And I don't know if Kentucky's ready for that as well. Like I, I want some security there that if it doesn't work out, Kentucky's got another option and it needs to be an option that I think ideally, you know what you're getting from it. And in this one, you, I don't think you would, I think it'd be another one where you just hope that one of the two, plays but what what choice does Kentucky have at this point they're kind of handcuffed with where they are like you got to have you got to have something 
Would it be the worst thing in the world from a style of play standpoint to be left desperate in that position to almost force your hand to go small and have Justin Edwards play the four and Aaron play the five and Tony play the three? Like, I I mean, I, I almost think that it would be like a panic in the short term. And then I think by the season, when you realize you don't have to go twin towers and have two seven footers playing alongside one another and try to figure out how to play Aaron Bradshaw and Oscar Sheboy together. Like I feel like when push comes to shove, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing. If you told, if you asked me right now what I wanted and you were sitting here with me and and I'm I'm just going to, I'm just going to put it out there since it's getting so close to the the midnight hour when it comes to this roster if you told me that out of all these three that I could prioritize what I wanted back, and this is no knock on Oscar Sheboy, like I, you know where I stand on Oscar and what I think his role could be with a better backcourt and and things, and if he, his usage rate goes down. But I would take Antonio Reeves at number one, given that I think his ability to stretch the floor and shoot the ball, and I would take Chris Livingston on this roster, and I'd wrap it up. I wouldn't even add – I maybe add, maybe add one more interior piece if I could for depth reasons, but – if you told me that you could play Bradshaw at the five and Chris at Chris at the four and Edwards and Reeves and DJ, oh my goodness, like I'd, I'd be all for it. And then you got Dilly coming off the bench and you've, you've got other options and things there and you got Ugana if you need to the defensive impact and you need the size. Like I think it would force Cal's hand to have to do some things differently. And I, I think that what you said would be right. Like I, I think that the initial panic would be, Oh, we don't have enough size. We don't have enough bodies. We don't have enough bigs. But it might end up playing into Kentucky's hands a little bit better. I mean, go back to 2011 with what they did with that lineup with Terrence Jones running the four yeah. and Josh Harrelson. That wasn't a ton of size, but look at what they did offensively and things. Like it was just a completely different attack. And like that was, you know, we were talking offensive efficiency and then guards hitting shots and Darius Miller running the the spot that he did, playing some four, playing some three. Like that's the type of team and, and attack that I think I would like to see Kentucky get to and do. Uh, they're not going to do that if Oscar's on this roster. But then again, we we know Oscar's value and what he would add to this roster. Yeah, it's kind. I don't want to say it's a win-win, but I, I think that there could be a win in both scenarios. Just just being transparent, like I think I think that there is a path to. Uh, success in that regard. Um, there were a couple of questions about Ron Holland, and I, I know we talked about him uh, on the last couple of shows. Um, and I remember when that happened, I said something like it would be in Kentucky's best interest to uh, look into this and at least like explore it. Is but a because Ron is a hell of a player and will be super productive in, in college, and I think he'd be a hell of a fit at Kentucky, especially. But that also was like right in the midst of all of the Aaron Bradshaw rumblings. And like right after I had gotten back from my trip to Atlanta for the EYBL event, it was like, oh boy, if this is coming down the pike. And like, it was very, very, very serious at that point, especially. And I still think it's not like out of the realm of of possibility. Like we still need to talk about it. But um, at that point, it was like the people that I had talked to were like, this is happening. And I hope that everybody at Kentucky is like fully understanding of the magnitude of this. And like, that was right when Ron Holland decided to to back out of his commitment to Texas. And I was like, all right, Cal, you got to do whatever it takes to get this kid because a, he's a perfect fit. B he might be the only other elite option you truly have. If 
Bradshaw leaves. So I, I think that it's definitely Arkansas or the pro route for him, and there really hasn't been enough traction to feel any type of way about Kentucky's chances or anything. I don't, I don't envision that happening. I think it's just no. too many tied up relationships leading into that. Things didn't end great with Kentucky and Ron Holland the first time around. And, uh, you know, it, it was kind of one of those deals that uh, home run hit that you hope that Kentucky swings for. Uh, but I don't think it was something that they ever really seriously pursued. And, you know, that, that part is what it is. Um, but before we kind of close things out, talking about Bradshaw and kind of the, the latest uh, in that regard, now that it's very public knowledge, um, one, one quick note from our friends, uh, Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you, Sean, ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream, looking for a side hustle while working your current job, wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy? Andy uh, is absolutely willing and capable of helping. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their uh, skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit and more. Uh, his services are 100% free and he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Um, Sean, we on Derby Day was, I think we got the, the first real public substance of the Aaron Bradshaw talk. We got Andrew Slater uh, after Bronny made his commitment to USC, as we said on the show, uh, said it would be clutch of uh, USC to add another big, putting two and two together. That would absolutely be uh, Aaron Bradshaw. Now that it's out there um, and kind of the, the way I worded things last week, and it's just such a delicate topic because this is such a must have guy for Kentucky and somebody that just really can't afford to lose at this point in time. And they are operating and and that like they, they are basically saying we're going to do whatever it takes to keep this guy. I don't care what uh clutch wants. I don't care what like what what's out there. Like we're going to do whatever it takes to get this guy because they understand the the PR nightmare that would be uh him backing out at this point. And uh Kentucky believes it has things under control. There's still outside skepticism that Clutch is going to make the final call, and it really doesn't matter what he thinks. And um, that, that those are kind of the things I'm juggling right now. But uh, it's big; it's very, very, very big, Sean. Um, how how were you taking kind of the rumblings as they were happening? Aaron Bradshaw putting out the you know Andrew Slater tweet, then you got Aaron Bradshaw almost right afterward putting out the picture of him in a BBN, you know, his UK uniform and BBN. How how were you kind of mentally? navigating I've I've seen enough to know that just because a, a kid puts out something on Instagram doesn't truly give me any concrete evidence that it's going to play out the way we want it to play out like I know that there's other factors and stuff at play here so no it was definitely I mean it was something that you know you would you had hinted at and I think you had actually talked about it on here like maybe last week that it was a real thing and like you and you and stuff and then soon as brawny committed you knew that it was going to spark up and and be talked about a ton and i think just following it it really frustrated me i know saturday evening into sunday i was talking to someone else and i, I kept talking about like if, if this is the point that we're at in college basketball where kentucky has a, a kid the caliber of, of aaron bradshaw and usc comes out of nowhere in the late spring and just 
pulls a kid and just just gets a kid from Kentucky. I'm not okay with it. Like I'm just not okay with that's where we are, and I, that's where I'm a. Uh, I'm big on NIL, and I think we're all going to look back probably seven, eight years from now, coaches, including you know, what the heck were we doing in the early stages of NIL when there's more <laughs> concrete and and kind of an idea of what the, the the proper navigation through this period is. Like we know that we're still early in these stages and we're kind of figuring it out along the way and and stuff. But I guess it really kind of just shook me a little bit because I'm like, man, you know, you spend all these this time building these relationships, you get a signature of a national letter of intent. And then if that's the way that it goes down, then Kentucky's supposed to be the bad guy if they don't let him out of a national letter of intent. Yeah. Like there, there was a lot of things that I, I just kind of digested over the weekend. I'm like, I really hope that this doesn't play out that way because if it does, I think you got to be really frustrated that a, a blue blood program can lose a, a kid of that caliber to USC. And I know it's Bronny James and I know Bronny's going to get a ton of publicity there, but I just think that the better situation for Bradshaw is in Lexington. I don't even see USC being the, even close to being the better option at any point. Even if it's just a one-year deal, like who cares? Like I think AB's in Lexington for what could be long-term, not just thinking short-term here. So I don't know. It it frustrated me a lot, and I'm sure a lot of fans felt the same way. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm interested to get your thoughts on it, but I think it kind of annoyed me that that's where we are, and that's where I think that even though NIL is a thing, I still think that agencies and all this pool and, and stuff that they have in it, it's it just I don't think that that's good for where we are right now in in collegiate sports. I just think it's too messy, and I think it's really hard on these kids because we know what kids want to do, but in the end, it doesn't matter what kids want to do. It's who's closest to them that kind of pushes it that direction. My thoughts kind of align with um, Brandon Ramsey. He did his great work with us for for KSR, and uh, he's on the message board. He does all of our film work, and he was a former uh, college coach, so I trust his word and his eye more than just about anybody out there. He's really, really talented. Um, he brought up the the idea and just kind of like the question that that I personally have. It's like guys like Aaron Bradshaw, even guys like Chris Livingston, where Aaron Bradshaw is seven foot one as versatile and you know gifted as an offensive threat as as you come as a seven foot one center why do you want to play yourself out of position to where other guys you're you're basically minimizing your own personal talents where you know matching skill levels with other threes you know Aaron Bradshaw even at the McDonald's game says that he's a three and he's not I mean he he if if he doesn't have the skill set of an elite three. He has the skill set of an elite five, but an average three at, at that. Yeah. So do you really want just because you're a big guard or whatever, like, you know, the stupid TikTok, YouTube, you know, ball is life highlight mixtape. Oh, I'm a big guard. Seven foot five guy likes to bring the ball to the floor. So therefore he's a point God. I mean, wh whatever the stupid nonsense is now, like why minimize your own gifts and versatility as a big and be a mismatch nightmare at your own position to become an average three with average skill. Like it, it, that, that mindset makes no sense. So their mindset of he would go to USC 
and be able to rock out next to Bronny James where all the media circus and spotlight and all that stuff is. And like, that's Clutch's mindset is he would go there and be a top five pick because they'd be able to let him rock out and have more freedom than he probably would at Kentucky. And like, that's kind of the, the, the mindset. I think it's stupid. Like, I think it is a really stupid idea for him. And I think that would do more harm than good for his long-term future. Uh, if, if they do decide to go that route in, in Kentucky, the reason why I said initially was Kentucky needs to take this seriously is because I do, I genuinely believe and know that Clutch wanted him at USC. And they, like, there, there have been some ins and outs. And I mean, there's a reason why there was such, you know, kicking the can down the road on his initial commitment. And it's just been wishy washy from the beginning. But this was a very real thing. This was not a message board rumor. This wasn't just made up out of thin air, as I think some people uh, around the program believed. It's That's not the case. This was very, very real. And I think there's also a reason why John Calipari spoke with Rich Paul a couple nights ago and had to have a, all right, what's the deal here? Let's get this th- this thing figured out. And Kentucky does feel good about where the, th- this thing is. But on Clutch's side and on Bradshaw's side, it is it is going to hurt way more than it's going to help by going against the grain and trying to be this big guard. And like, I, he's super skilled for his position and for his size. Why screw it up? Cal's going to put you in position to succeed. And there's a reason why Cal's going on all these interviews and saying he's a four and all this stuff. Let him, let him rock out the way he deserves at Kentucky, but don't screw up his career by sending him to USC to be a three like that. That would be so yes. stupid. For him well, and, and that's where I was coming from too earlier. And I know it, I mean, I, I think my frustration's clear with the whole situation, but I was like, you, you spend all this time that Kentucky spent at, at a school where there there's connections and Kentucky's had success there, you know, DJ Wagner and, and things. And you get this kid that go that out of nowhere, the a West coast school like USC that wasn't even in on his recruitment just pops out of nowhere after Bronny James, you know, announces this commitment. It's just, it's frustrating. And I, I think that it would have, it would put Kentucky in a, in a bad spot if it were to play out the other way. I, I don't think it's going to play out that way. Like I think that Kentucky offers so much more, not just in the immediate future, but I think going the distance. I mean, look at what Kentucky's dudes are doing in the league right now. And John Calipari is making an appearance at every single NBA game and will probably make more in the coming days with other guys. I mean, look at the, the second round matchups where Kentucky dudes are just, you know, putting in work and, and stuff. Look at what Devin Booker's doing. Jamal Murray. I mean, Anthony Davis. You got Jared Vanderbilt guarding the best player on the opposing team every single so night and, and carving a, a role that I never thought we'd see Jared Vanderbilt play. And it's just – it's unreal. And that, that's that's stuff that Cal's got to be using right now and saying, look, yeah, sure, we've won one national championship here. And, you know, everybody that's listened to the show, they won another one. And uh, I think the only way you get it – is you recruit the best of the best, and that's what Kentucky's done in this class. They got back to doing that. But at the same time, I think Cal needs to use what his guys are doing in the league right now, continue showing up at these games and being on TV and just saying, look, look, this is you come to Kentucky and this is what you get. Don't go somewhere else and waste away an opportunity. Listen to what we're doing here, and, and we'll we'll put you in a spot where you can go and uh, you can be playing in the NBA playoffs in four or five years for a franchise. Yeah, I would uh... – I think if you had asked me right now, I believe Kentucky will get it figured out. And I I believe that they will do whatever it takes to get him in a Kentucky uniform. And I think that has to happen. Like Kentucky can't afford 
that at this point. Like if this were to happen back in December or something, I mean, they could have, it would have sucked, but they could have come up with a backup option. But the day before, you know, the portal's about to close. There's no other five stars out there. I mean, what are you going to go do? Beg for Flory Badunga in the class of 2024, get on your hands and knees and pray and beg that he's going to reclass and, and come join you. I mean, and, and Flory's a dude. That you in a really crappy spot. And above all else, that's why this is one of those deals that just can't can't happen. I think Kentucky knows that, and it would absolutely be in their best interest to basically lock up. You know, always be closing it is a mindset. Like you know, I used to work retail, and that was the stupid motto that they used to have. But like, that's a recruiting mindset and all that. Like, always, always close up until that they until they are on campus until he is a. It's not pen hitting paper. It's when he's enrolled, when he's here, like do that for all of the guys. There's, and there's like, why else would you go to Justin Edwards game now uh, when he's already signed, like, you know, signed up. I think that's, that's a mindset Kentucky has to have with Aaron Bradshaw, especially. And I think that they're going to do that. And um, I, I hope that we can all laugh about this down the road and say, Oh, remember those stupid rumors about him going to USC and we never have to face a reality of what that could look like down the road. And I, I think that's what I'm genuinely rooting for. So uh, that, that's, that's my mindset with it, but it's just, um, it, 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 that'd be tough. But I, I do think that at the end of the day, Kentucky will do what it takes to get him and we'll get to see the best version of Aaron Bradshaw. And uh, I think it's going to be a good thing for, uh, for the cats. I'm seeing if there's anything else that we may have missed. Um, Nick McCardell says anything on Kobe Brown rumors. I guess we can ask about that. Um, uh, me man, boy, uh, on Twitter guy who's who I, I like a lot and has um, you know, kn knows his stuff. He kind of put it out there that Kentucky could be interested in Kobe Brown, Missouri star uh, forward who has not hit the portal yet. So a um, little too early for, for that, Sean, but if he were to hit the portal in the next 24 hours, I think that would be a complete game changer uh, for Kentucky. He's, he's a true star. And if, if, if that is your starting four, it doesn't really matter what happens with Chris Livingston. It doesn't really matter what happens with Kashad Johnson. And like, I think that is your guy and you just kind of roll the balls out from there and say, let's, let's do this. I think it completely changed the tra trajectory of everything, but uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how that one unfolds. But yeah, uh, if you, if you could add somebody, if you could add somebody you know. like that, yeah, you, you, that's a no brainer, right. With the way that he stretches the floor and, and does things. Is that comment true? Cause no, no. He did just either. go live. Uh, I did have somebody texting me saying that he just started a live while you all started this show. Because I just um, went to his Instagram and couldn't find anything, so I didn't know. So, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to get confirmed for you guys. Perfect. I would love that. Uh, Wouldn't that be I great? Wanna, like, I, that's that's what I'm rooting for. We need that. Yeah, and I, I do want to clarify with with Tanner that when we were talking about Terrence Jones and and Justin Edwards possibly playing the four, I, I don't think you and I were talking about production. With like we know that Edwards is a completely different player than what Terrence Jones was, but I, I was talking more along the lines of the lack of size that Kentucky played with that season, in the more open post game that Kentucky played with. You know, Harrelson did some things away from the basket, some handoffs and things like that 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 I thought were different that Kentucky's not done as much of in recent years. That I think it would force Kentucky's hand to have to do some things differently and, and maybe get into some more. I'm big on Zoom action and stuff that, that these teams are doing in college basketball that's kind of made its way into the game the last few years. And I, I'd like to see Kentucky maybe do some of that, especially with the perimeter options that they have on this team coming in next year and the guys that can kind of get downhill and get in the paint and make some plays. But 
yeah, Terrence Jones was – I was talking to somebody about that situation actually over the weekend about – I missed the days of where Terrence Jones commits to Washington and then calls John Calipari and says that he made a terrible decision and then, like, ends up at Kentucky. Like, those were the times that we went back on that were much simpler than what we're dealing with now with NIL and everything else going on in recruiting and, and stuff. It's crazy. I, I laughed out loud at Owen, um, the guy who made that logo up in the top right corner there um our podcast logo owen put out a tweet um after savir went to washington and said terrence jones commitment to washington uh ended up being a trade for three players to be named later <laughs> that ended up being keon quad green and savir wheeler i'd take that trade <laughs> 10 times out of 10 and Every twice time. on sunday like that <laughs> i just that just made me laugh. Uh, every uh, every time, I, I agree with you. So so I guess do we change our order of importance? Is the order of importance now? It's not to get Reeves, is it? To make sure that Bradshaw's in the fold, and then is Reeves number two? Like is you can find you can find a microwave scorer in the portal. I mean, you don't want to right now, and you like the continuity and the comfort that that Reeves would have in the system for another year. And I, you know, I think for, of those three individual pieces, I, I'm definitely Reeves first and foremost, but if you're talking about the possibility of Aaron Bradshaw backing out of his letter of intent and going somewhere else at the 11th yeah. hour, I mean, I, that ain't close. I mean, you, you, that just can't happen. And that's, no. you know, but that's also part of the reason why I wanted it to be talked about. So it could be shut down. And so it could be addressed. And so we could get to the bottom of this and have Cal contact Rich Paul and go out to LA and meet with like, I've got Rich Paul's number. If you want it, if you want to call him, I'm, I'm it's probably the most random phone number I have in my, in my contacts. <laughs> <laughs> it's Rich Paul's number, but Hey, one more thing I want to say here. And, and Steven put up the poll, which of these three players are you most excited about? DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, Rob Dillingham and, and Wagner is obviously leading at 40%, but Edwards 34 and Dillingham 26. Like that right there shows you that there's some, there's a lot of guys to be excited about and the listeners of this show and this fan base, it's, it's not, I think in a lot of classes, even at Kentucky, you got that one guy that just kind of carries it like a, an Anthony Davis or a Jamal Murray or someone like that. But it shows kind of the, maybe the, the overall ability of this class where it's not just that one headliner guy, there's multiple guys in it and Bradshaw's not even in that. And I would like to have seen, Like, I, I like it. There's a lot of really good, talented players coming in. I think there's a lot of guys that get Kentucky excited about. And when you look at that, I mean, the, one of those dudes probably doesn't start. And there's still a ton of excitement about that player. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know where I lean with that because I, I think it changes every time I watch one of them play. You know, <laughs> I, I, I watch DJ play in whatever event, and I'm like, ooh. DJ's got that dog in him. He's going he's gonna to be a lot of fun. And then I see Justin Edwards play, and I'm like, man, he is he is picture perfect for John Calipari's system is that versatile two-way wing. Like, There's just no way that guy's going to fail. And then you watch Rob Dillingham play, and you go, man, what a chaotic yeah. and beautiful map that's going to be. Like, you know, I, so I don't know. Beautiful, I, I probably lean Chaotic is the perfect way to describe him, too. I beautiful probably chaotic. lean Rob for that reason because I know – good or bad it's going to be entertaining you know like it's one of those deals that i i am i know for certain that i will have fun 
watching Rob Dillingham, even if it's doing like, oh my gosh, what the hell was that? Why are we doing that? Like, I'll I'll at least be able to go, eh, but it's Rob, you know? <laughs> well, and, and the overall thing that I'll I'll add before we wrap up here, and I know we're getting close, is there's a lot of guys on this roster that are kind of question marks and unknowns. But we also kind of know that the potential that they're coming with. And I think a year ago we talked about, or not even a year ago, it'd be a year in August, we talked about Ugana, and we were kind of of the belief, Jack, that we didn't want to talk about him last year. We wanted to factor him into this class. And even though we got to see him in some limited action, I still consider him a freshman. I considered it a redshirt year, essentially, for him, where he did get a little bit of run early in the non-conference. But I think that there's some excitement around him, too. How much has he developed? How much has his body changed? I know we saw the pictures and stuff recently. You can throw a do in there, too. How much does he develop and change? There's a lot of guys to be excited about. But this freshman class that's coming in, I think it's why I'm the most optimistic that if Kentucky can sure up what it's doing in the front court and get Antonio Rees back, I think there's a ton of potential because I just don't see it possible that all these guys fall flat on their face. I think you're going to have the the two that really emerge and do their thing, and then I think you're going to have guys that are what they are. You're going to have your guy that maybe one that isn't doesn't live up to what maybe we thought, but he'll probably still be good enough to to have a role. Like I just think that there's – there's too much upside in this class coming in in the backcourt for Kentucky to not be significantly better in that area where I think they've struggled now for, I'd say, three years with having an NCAA tournament backcourt. I don't think Kentucky's had a long-term NCAA tournament backcourt that can win you basketball games in that tournament since 2019-2020. I really don't. And I think that part's pretty fascinating. Uh, I just talked to Jasper Johnson and his dad after uh, he got his offer, class 2025 guard out of Versailles, um, top 25 player in the country. He's, he's the best, great kid, great player. Uh, I think Kentucky will end up getting him. But when I transcribed the the interview, it was more revealing than I think I realized at the time. Uh, he said that Cal told Jasper when offering him that, Kentucky's had good guards, but they haven't been able to run the dribble drive. They have not been his guards. And I thought that was super revealing. And, you know, it gave a bunch of other stuff. And if you didn't miss, if you missed that, go back and, and read that article because there's a lot of really, really interesting stuff about Jasper's recruitment and Cal's kind of mindset overall about what he wants moving forward and what he hasn't had in, in recent years. But I thought that was pretty revealing that. He's offering elite guards early right now. The Jaspers of the world, the Darren Petersons, the you know Darius A. Cuffs, the, the all the elite guard Malik Thomases, the elite guards in 2025 and looking ahead in 2024. Like he's trying to get back to his style of play and going back to the dribble drive and getting the you know be being that guard heavy, ball dominant type of type of style that made Coach Cal Coach Cal. And I think. When talking about that 2025 group, and he was hoping that it would be uh, Jasper, uh, Malik Thomas, Darren Peterson, and Koa Pete, all guys that I am in love with as players, he said that's the kind of group that he sees with this upcoming group with, in the 2023 class. So I think that's pretty fascinating. I think I think uh, Cal's confident that maybe they're not as talent like it's a weaker class, but they also do the things that Cal's team do best, and I think that's why Cal's so optimistic. So. And, you know, the comment there, freshman-led team isn't beating a team with a bunch of 23- and 24-year-old men in March. Well, what Kentucky's done the last couple of years wasn't beating anyone in March. And and they were older. 
And I think that's the argument to it. And there is a balance. I do think Kentucky needs some older guys on this roster, Reeves being one. And that's where if you do get Oscar back, you you add a, a guy of that caliber too to some young pieces. And I do think that is important. But what Kentucky rolled out the last two years, it wasn't the answer. It looked like it was a year, a year or so ago in the regular season, but it ended up not being an NCAA tournament. So I'm all for going back to doing what they did win with. And at one point, that was rolling out the best freshmen and then plugging and playing pieces and, and veterans around it. And if, if that's what that's what Kentucky's getting back to. So I, I, this is where I, I have criticized Cal a ton since I've been in media. I know we all have. We've, we've also praised him at times. But what do we want him to do? Like he, he tried the older roster approach and it didn't work. So we started screaming, you got to get older, you got to get older. Well, it didn't work. So people now want to say, well, you got to get back and you got to get back to getting the elite high school talent. Well, he's done that. There's got to be a middle ground somewhere. But I, I do think that this is the best approach to winning now with this team is to be young and then fill out your roster as you need it. I'm not saying that comment's wrong. That will be hard to do. But this whole age of college basketball when the COVID year and stuff is done these get it's, it's probably got another year of it and then college basketball I think will go back to being younger again and, and things but right now I mean there are some older teams but I'm still all for give me the the talented freshman and then peace and then play around it and see what you got because that's what we do know worked and got them to final fours at times especially when it was the best of the best I like how Brax- Braxton Snyder, the guy that uh, told us about the uh, Bradshaw Instagram live, he said, if I'm lying, I'll make a zero on the final I'm currently taking. This dude is in the middle of taking a final on his computer and listening to <laughs> us, us yap about Kentucky basketball. I think that's hilarious. Uh, the, we, we believe you. We, we definitely believe yeah. you. But don't, don't make a zero. Get, yeah, good, good luck, Braxton. Make it, get 100 on this thing. And then say that we're the reasons why, like we kind of got your <laughs> mental juices flowing a little bit, and that we're the reasons why you you got a uh, 100% on your uh, on your final. That'd be super dope. Um, there was somebody that asked about your shirt, Sean, and what the that's uh, why I'm covering. Tina, that's why that's why I'm covering it up. Tina Brock <laughs> says, "What's that shirt says say that Sean is wearing? Is there an announcement soon?" When can we get an announcement, Sean? I, I need I need uh, to know. I'm on the edge of my seat. I need to know. I mean, I'm I'm going to open gym here in a few minutes. I've I've been to two and then we got today. So uh it should be coming soon. It it's just I don't want to do anything that oversteps the school and what they're doing and, and the and the staff and stuff like that. So I'm I'm trying to be respectful when it comes to that and letting them kind of announce it on their own before I can chime in on it. But no, I am I am in Lexington. I have got started. Uh, doing some things with the program, with what we're doing, and uh, it's a really good program. I can I can say that I'm really excited about it, and uh, hopefully by the end of the week and first part of next week when we record again, that I should be able to maybe. I mean, you can go off the color of my shirt a little bit, but hopefully by the time that I get into next week, that we can actually talk about it, and I can rock some gear and and be be all good with it. As long as I get gear, it's all I care about. I, that's that's. Oh, you'll that's, you'll you'll get plenty of gear, and you you'll know you'll be at practice, watching some dudes because uh, we we certainly have some dudes. We're going to rock the announcement and commit. Like if if I'm waiting for the Kentucky quality guy to come through and be like, like end up committing to Kentucky, and then just be able to like just host his commitment from like on this <laughs> show from the gym. Like it's gonna be. I can't wait. I'm I'm rooting for this 
quite hard and i'm very excited for it and just excited for this opportunity for you it's gonna be really cool and i will i will say this about high school basketball kentucky had this conversation with another coach uh, a retired coach in the state this morning the level of men's or boys basketball in the state right now with the guys that are getting high major offers it's really really impressive and i think that this is a turning point in the state with look at what you got like you got you got perry at lyon county doing his thing. You you got, you know, Jasper just getting the offer. You got Malachi Moreno at Great Crossing who, who's getting a ton of pub. We've got Super. dudes that, that I will be able to name at some point that's getting a lot in other sports, but in things like it, it's just, it's a really good time, not just in basketball, but in football recruiting too. This state is really putting on a show. You got guys all over the state in different parts that are, that are playing at a high level. And, and I think it's really good for high school basketball in the state. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of that. Well, another uh, fun show. Appreciate all of our listeners. Randomly uh, at one thirty, starting this thing on a Wednesday afternoon, uh, fans showed out quite a bit. And I even got some comments on Twitter that I don't think we even got to address. I think we got one from uh, my guy, Josh Hopkins, said, uh, regardless if there's in, uh, interest or communication, which player on the current roster, current in, in the current portal would you love to add to this roster? Uh I think it's not even close. Uh, Kobe Brown, I think if that guy presents himself, I think that's like a, whoa, complete game changer, changing the trajectory of the season. Uh, I'm rooting for that like hell, but he needs to enter the portal first before I get excited, and we'll we'll see where that thing goes. And maybe we have to do another show here in the next couple of days and uh, address that. But um, Ugana just posted some highlights too. that will get you excited about his development and his game. Just posted on the Twitter. Love, love to three, see that. three minutes ago. Awesome, man. Well, let's uh, get the heck out of here so I can go watch those highlights and get excited about it uh, for, for Ugo and what his uh, future looks like. But until then, Sean, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim, KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. That will be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.